Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Presenting sponsor for today's episode to hear that podcast growling is Visa, a network working for everyone, just like Jay and I are. Jay, what's up? Oh, I am in a great mood today. I, I am bookended by two days of joy. And what? This, this isn't like a concert at a bowling alley and dinner at Arby's kind of joy. This is joy that you can... <laughs> This is joy that you can appreciate. Survivor is back. That was my yeah. joy last night. And uh, tomorrow I get to go to Athens and see my son before hopping over to Pittsburgh. So uh, just in a really good mood right now. Survivor and OU <coughs> rank, probably my family doesn't like how close they rank to them and my things that bring me joy. <laughs> I mean, those, those, you're right. Those two things, man, that, they kind of, they're, they're really definers for us, Jay. They, they are. are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, great survivor great survivor premiere i love that the season is going to be new and different and they're shaking it up season 41 shout out jeff Probst for for ditching all his old plans and saying let's start all over again because it's made it very fun so for our survivor folks usually we save our survivor talk for the end when everyone starts tuning out but it's the premiere so we got to open with it uh if you want more survivor talk you just let us know i anticipate <laughs> silence and crickets from the fans but uh we've got a lot to get to it is steelers week it is steelers prediction time talking a lot about, i mean huge game uh this sunday at heinz field jay's gonna have some sat some sad stats uh that about heinz field that i already have been a bit flabbergasted by when he told me <laughs> before we started um mark caboli is here Hold your booze, hold your booze. It's okay uh, to talk about the Steelers and and the idea that the sky is falling. These two teams sounding more like each other than anyone in Pittsburgh would like when you really start hearing the conversation surrounding them. I will say that much, which is probably should be good news for Bengals fans. Uh, but we'll talk to Mark about everything that's going on in a very interesting uh, crossroads of time in Pittsburgh right now. Uh, we're going to, of course, have some run passer boots. Bengals growler bet will be back. So uh, if you just want to try to get in and get your delicious uh, 50 West beer, you can just scroll to the end. I don't recommend that. There's a lot of good content before that happens. Uh, but we will have our Bengals growler bet where you can try to win fabulous prizes that are drinkable. Uh, we'll do our predictions. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, something we mentioned on Tuesday, which is Joe Burrow's comfort in the pocket. And you'll hear from him because I thought his answers were very revealing and interesting uh, on that topic. Um, and lots, lots more. Let's start here, Jay, with the news. Um, and the news is injury-centric at this point. And lo and behold, in a shocking turn of events, <laughs> Big Ben's a little banged up coming into the game. This happens 
It feels to me like it happens every single time these two teams play. But, Jay, in your fashion, the way only you can do, you <laughs> looked it up as you're one to do and say, Paul, that feeling is wrong. It does not happen all the time. It, it rarely happens. I, I think we see it in playoff games and in other big Steeler games, and you think that <clears throat> it just happens in Bengal Steelers game. But, but Ben has rarely been on the – on the injury report at all for a Bengal Steelers game over the last 10, 12 years. And he's never been questionable or doubtful. He's always been probable with a hand, uh, minor injuries. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's just, it's because he, he talks about injuries so much. He's got that, that diva label placed on him. There which, you go. Label placed Richard on him Skinner. by Richard Skinner. <laughs> <laughs> Skinny literally called him a diva in the press conference. And, and was that Mike Hilton's talk? Mike yeah, Hilton. it was. You can you can see a little smirk from Mike, and he, he kind of <laughs> dodged it. But but yeah, it's 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 not been a case with Ben. I and the other thing too, I think a lot of people remember the playoff game where he left on a cart and came back and led him to victory. Um, and a lot of legit. people do remember that, Jay. Yeah, yes. well, a lot of people uh, <laughs> celebrated it by throwing bottles at Ben, which was totally despicable. But yeah, yes, um, it, it, it's not it's not been an ongoing thing in Bengals Steelers games where he's ha- been on the injury report. This is a legit injury. I mean, he's gonna play, but he's gonna be sore. And if if the Bengals can continue to get that pass rush and, and make him sorer, then it will affect. It's his left pack, but. Any, any, he said anytime he reaches for anything or tries to get himself up off the ground, it hurts a lot. And if you're sacking him and knocking him to the ground and if he's throwing a lot and taking shots there, it's something he's going to have to deal with. And it, 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 they, the, it can help the Bengals' defense maybe slow down that Pittsburgh offense that isn't exactly speeding along right now. Yeah, a lot to get into with, with how that can affect Ben. And I think the Bengals are better set up to take advantage of that than ever. But to me, this game is not about Ben's injury. If we're going to make it about injuries, mm-hmm. it's about T.J. Watt. Yeah, T.J. Watt is the one. I mean, if he's out here, he's got a minor groin injury. They have it's kind of this, they have this thing they're dubbing the groin club, which makes me uncomfortable uh, in Pittsburgh because they have four guys with groin injuries. So <coughs> I, that's fine. <coughs> but uh, T.J. Watt is in this club. And there was a thought that it might be serious because he only was able to play 16 snaps uh, last week, and he was dominant in those 16 snaps as he's one to be. And instead, he ends up getting hurt, and the thought was he'd be out for a while, but it looks like he may play this week. He was limited on Wednesday, and we'll see if he's just – they say, you know, he could miss one game, or maybe he could play a little bit. Maybe he won't be his full self on Sunday, which, boy, would the Bengals have dodged a mm. bullet because he is just a killer against them and would is just an awful matchup for them in every way, shape, or form when Cam Hayward is still healthy. Uh, it's like Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack on steroids at this point. Um, not that they're actually on steroids, but their play would be. Uh, you know, and so you hate you just hate that matchup if he plays and if he plays like TJ Watt it's big trouble it's just it's just not but if they could dodge that bullet i think the Bengals have a real it gives them a much more of a chance much more of a real chance in pittsburgh yeah i mean it was kind of refreshing tyler boyd was was open and honest he said they would be lucky if he didn't play a, a lot of times players are like oh you know they they're still going to be the same next man up um you can't say that with a guy that's 
a perennial candidate to be defensive player of the year. And I'm not so sure after talking to Mark, and you'll hear more of this in our conversation, that he is going to play. Mark Mark didn't seem that all that optimistic. Um, so we'll see. We, we, Mark and I talked after yesterday's practice. We're recording this before the Thursday practices, so we'll wait and see what the injury report looks like. Um, but, yeah, that, that one would be huge. And it, it, the other thing is it's not just him. They have a lot of pass rushers. They have a, a lot of those guys – in that groin club are defensive guys that can really affect the Bengals offense. Um, so it's as huge as losing TJ Watt would be. There's, there's other ripple effects there too, that could really hurt the Steelers defense. They are so dependent on that pass rush because mm-hmm. they are weaker in the secondary than they're used to being. And, you know, it's really the, that dominant pass rush is what gets them by. And when they didn't have as much of it as guys were falling against the Raiders, what happened? The Raiders put up points. They were able to hit deep ball to Henry Ruggs. They were able to, you know, do all the things get to give them that 26-17 victory because that's the game changer. And, and certainly the Bengals would be the ultimate victim of that when you look at the, the way their offensive line uh, is constituted. Um, on the Bengals injury side, we'll continue to monitor, you know, Trey Waynes, Zach, Zach Taylor said, look, you're going to try to ease him into practice this week. He was just on the side with director of rehab, Nick Cosgray on Wednesday. Um, Xavier Suofilo and T Higgins, Xavier has a knee and T has the shoulder all did not practice. They're going to try to get them back in at some point this week. Um, and, hopefully be ready to go on Sunday. I will see Jackson Carmen obviously would start for Sua Filo at right guard. The, the other thing about that is and them not practicing Wednesday, it rained and the Bengals were going to move to their indoor facility, but they don't have one. <laughs> so instead they went into the stadium and uh, practicing in the rain, trying to get back off a hamstring, mm, just go do work on the side, I think is kind of part of that. So, Indoor facility strikes again, but you, you, you all, they, they, he could go do work inside. I think they're just trying to work him back. I, I don't know. I and mean, the fact that he wasn't out there at all, even in individual stuff, gives me pause that we're even going to see Trey Waynes on Sunday, but that will be something that we will monitor. If he's unable to give anything uh, in practice on Thursday or their, even their Friday walkthrough, obviously then, but I think if you don't see him practicing at all Thursday, it's probably not going to happen. So keep an eye on our Twitter machines for that uh, or, of course, we'll have updates on that as we uh, go through the week on the site. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Um, I have a story up on another kind of state of protection, which is sort of really dug into the reality of this empty set discussion that has kind of gotten skewed and taken out, out of, I would say, gotten out of hand a little bit, um, and some of the pressure stuff and interesting things that Joe Burrow had to say about mobility, which he's going to need to show plenty of uh, in this game against the Steelers. I want to start there because I mentioned in Tuesday's edition of Hear That Podcast Growling that, you know, he doesn't, he just doesn't seem to look super comfortable scrambling and being mobile and trying to create those off script plays that we're used to seeing through two weeks. I said, well, we'll ask him about it on Wednesday. And I said, I don't really anticipate him saying too much about it. Lo and behold, as Joe's want to do, um, he was pretty honest about it. Um, Here's Joe Burrow sort of with a a number of different questions surrounding the idea of mobility and comfort in the pocket 
and, and coming back from that knee, things like that. So here's here's Joe Burrow. Through two games, how comfortable do you feel moving around in the pocket, instinctually kind of scrambling out and doing that kind of thing? And, and or has that kind of been still a process of getting used to that for you? Yeah, you know, watching the film, that's some that's an area that I can improve. Just you know, feeling the rush and feeling where I can escape the pocket a little faster. Um, that's definitely an area that I'm I'm continuing to to get better at post injury. It's different to kind of feel like. Do you feel like you have to think about that a little bit more now? As you're, you know, I don't know whether it's the, the knee or just worrying about things, or, or is it not as as instinctual as maybe it was last year? Um, I'm definitely not thinking about it, but I'm I'm definitely going to be in more of a mindset to escape the pocket faster moving forward. Joe, is that just something that takes game reps, live game reps, not necessarily practice reps to, to get better at and improve on? Yeah, I think so. You know, I was you know, watching the film. There were certainly a few plays where, you know, my first or second read wasn't there. And uh, I moved on quickly, but, you know, just not quickly enough. And I think in those situations, I can get out of pocket and try to make a play. Joe, what are your thoughts on, on moving, uh, moving the pocket, actually uh, having the pocket move? side to side and take advantage of what that could offer. Yeah. You know, you try to, there's a lot of different things that we can do. You know, the, there's positives and negatives to, to all of that. And, you know, when you move the pocket, the, the pocket is cleaner, but you're also taking away one entire side of the field and they know where you're throwing it. So um, there's positives and negatives to, to each thing that you can do. And you just got to weigh those options. So what do you like about, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Butch. I was going to say, Joe, what, what, what do you like about the empty set? And is it different in the pros than it is in college? It just allows you to really put pressure on the defense. And, you know, it's tough for them to cover all, all parts of the field. And, and you can get the ball out quickly. You know, there might not be as many big plays in those situations because it's just five-man protection, a lot of one-on-ones up front. But um, it, it allows you to get the ball out fast and, and stay manageable down in distances. Joe, one of your one of your strengths, one of your many strengths, was this pocket manipulation. You know, and staying in the pocket and being able to just you know slide, step, step, or whatever. How, how is the pocket manipulation aspect of it coming for you? You know, I was happy with. You know, I made some throws with guys in my face on on Sunday while I was getting hit, and so I was I was happy with that part of my game. You know, I think through through the first part of the game until we started turning the ball over, I thought I was playing really well. I was playing on time and getting the ball out quickly and, um, and then it kind of snowballed on us. But, you know, I was happy with my ability to, to hang in there and take a hit and, and complete the ball still. Where do you feel like your timing and feel is, uh, you know, in the pocket where it is now compared to where it was, you know, right before the injury? Because it feels like uh, you had made a lot of progression there and then you obviously had a lot of time off. So where's that at right now for you? Yeah, I think I felt a lot more comfortable back there on Sunday than I did the week prior. Um, and that's just going to keep getting better and better. So I was um, – Really happy with just my, my comfortability in the in the pocket on Sunday and hanging in there and making throws, you know, when those opportunities were were there. You know, I I always appreciate this. Burrow may he may not love doing media like some people do, um, but when he does, he does it wholeheartedly and with un, pretty unfiltered honesty, almost across the board. I mean, going back to when we talk about the camp stuff, when he was honest about where he was at there, like, look, I, I watched the tape. I got to be better at that. I, I you know, I'm, I'm not doing that as much, and I've got to go out there and do it. And I think that's, he's, you know, 
he says it's not I'm thinking about the knee, but I do think there's a mental hurdle to getting back into that idea of. You know, what did we see last year, right? The pressure's coming. He'd like hop over a guy who's on the ground and then skirt out to the outside and do the spin move on somebody near the sideline where everyone's telling him to throw it away. I mean, that was Burrow and him saying he's just, you know, he hasn't been really at that point yet is a, is a pretty interesting admission this week of all weeks. Yeah, I mean, the, the play that stands out from last year is that game in Philadelphia where he did, he extended it forever and, and Zach's screaming at him to throw it away. And then he finally, right before he goes out of bounds, throws it downfield for a completion. It just kind of laughs at Zach like, ah, told you I could do it. That That's not back. That, that confidence to do that kind of thing isn't back yet. It, it doesn't mean it's gone forever. He, he, he It's something he's got to work through. But it it makes sense that if if – even if he's not thinking about the knee, it has to be in the back of his head and, and you're, and you're getting hit. And it, it's just something that I think we will see more of as the year goes along. But he, he talked too about, you know, when, when you roll out of the pocket like that, you take half the field away. He likes, and you wrote about this in your story. He really likes the empty set. That's why it's not going anywhere. He, as much as he's taken the hits and the sacks, he likes it. And, and Zach and Brian like it. and, it's here to stay. I just, I think that they can do more once he gets more comfortable with it to, to get outside the pocket, make some sprint runs, even if it takes half the field away. I mean, how often are, is he going through all five progressions and empty? I mean, you've got to get that ball out quick. You're only going to two, maybe three of your progressions anyhow. So if, if you have that, those guys on that side of the field, even though you're taking half of it away, you've still got the same number of options. So it'll be interesting to see what he does in Pittsburgh. I, I'm, I would imagine it'll be more of a you know an October type of thing when we start seeing the total comfort come back and and we start seeing more of him getting outside the pocket. I would agree, and that's just something that's going to be a process that's going to come with time. And you mentioned empty a few numbers that I when I really looked at how much the Bengals use empty versus everybody else across the league. Um, Fifth most dropbacks and empty. How about the the Bills against the Steelers in the opener? We dropped back and empty twenty two times. The Bengals have done it nineteen in two games, and you thought the Bengals have been doing it a lot in one game against the Steelers twenty two times. Uh, the Steelers had twenty four PFF pressures in one game <laughs> against Josh Allen, who was basically just taking he he wasn't taking on hits as much. He did take hits. He got sacked and took took hits, but he was he's a different quarterback. It goes into that mobility thing. Like Josh Allen running is different than Joe Burrow running. Um, he's much more of an athlete, of a scrambler, you know, big, fast, strong type guy. Burrow is more of a processor and, and things of that nature and kind of a, a, a has the pocket presence, the wiggle in the pocket. I mean, Allen's just running for his life. Like every play, he was just dropped back running for his life, and that's the reason the Bills lost that game, amongst other things. I mean, living in empty against the Steelers is – it, I mean, it it can be t- it can be tough. I I anticipate the Bengals doing it, you know. I mean, because obviously it was a big part of their game plan against Chicago, and I think they felt they might have found something with it and, and learned from it. And that's what Burrow said. You know, I think the one thing we've learned is that Jamar and T can really blow by people in, in, when when there's when they start to squat even a little bit, and, and we can really take advantage of that. And I and I. <laughs> As much as people are yelling, how did you not know that? You got it. 
it's easy to say that in hindsight, as the game is going by and you're just trying to keep your guy clean, you're you're you know you try to take shots here and there. But I think the I know having that more in their back back of their head to do that more often to keep people off balanced in the empty, in particular with this current setup, is can be uh, something they can take advantage of. And that's kind of what Burrow said. That's something their takeaways right now is to that's how they're going to keep people from just sitting on this, and they can use this more effectively. Yeah, and if they don't go down twenty to three against the Bears, maybe they don't feel that way right now because that, that was kind of a necessity is the mother of invention type thing where they're down seventeen late in the game. They've got to take those the, the two deep shots he took to Chase were late in the game. The one that he sailed way out of bounds, and then the one that for the touchdown. And he did take a deep shot at Tati earlier in the game, but yeah, if, I, I think people see that comeback maybe as kind of meaningless. But if 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 anything comes out of it, it's that, that, that they can throw deep out of empty and that these guys can beat corners squatting on routes and they, they can hit the pass down the field. That wasn't a great pass from Burrow, the touchdown and chase made the adjustment and made the score. Um, and the Steelers secondary, you mentioned it. They just, Minka Fitzpatrick has not looked the same. Rugs hit them for that deep ball last week. I, I think there are plays to be made down the field and, and they, they can come out of empty this week. Yeah. Well, another thing they do out of empty, and you keep an eye on this, the chase deep ball, uh, they bring one of those guys in and chip off and help out inside. So it's empty protection, mm-hmm. quote unquote, but they are, they're bringing one of those guys in. They're just lined up outside at first as a way to keep the defense off balance, but you still are giving a little bit of extra help. Um, and, and that's how, if you know you're going to be taking that shot, it's a way to offset it and keep, keep the defense thinking differently. So, um, you know, keep an eye out for more stuff like that uh, against the Steelers as they try to find the opportunities. Because here's the thing, the way this game is going to go, if the Bengals are going to have any shot. And we have, God, how many times we see them feel like they have a, a, a way that they can win and it just turns into a house of horrors in like the <laughs> first five minutes up there. Um, but this is going to be, this is a game for the defense. This is, this defense that, is number two in DVOA against the rush through two games. Number seven overall in DVOA, Football Outsiders, which is a really good metric to get true value um, of how a unit's playing. It's early in the year, so those things can change pretty dramatically. But you know, the Steelers bemoaned all offseason they can't run the ball. and That's why they, they drafted Najee Harris in the first round and and all this stuff. And they they have to be able to run the ball better. They gotta take pressure off of Ben having to do all the quick stuff and and you know, not be able to throw it deep like he could in the past and all the other stuff. Bengals defense has stuffed the run against two of the best rushers in football and can very easily force Ben to beat them and and have a pass rush now that can go do it. This is a game that they can win with the defense holding the trophy up at the end. You know, this is a defense game. As much as we want to make it about the pass rush of the Steelers and all, and we always want to talk about offense, the strength of this team, whether anybody wants to hear this or not, is absolutely this defense right now. And that's their hope of, of throwing this team on their back. If they're going to do something like that, that's what it's got to look like. Yeah, I mean, it feels like another game like last week where first one to 20 probably wins. It's going to be low scoring, grinded out, both teams with O-line issues. Steelers are going to try to run the ball, even though they haven't been able to do it yet. And you you can see that this defense, that they they gave up the, the a little more 
yardage overall to Minnesota, a little more points, but it they are on pace to have one of their best starts as far as a run defense goes, and that's that's something this team's been lacking for a while. And it Najee Harris, twenty six carries, eighty three yards to start. That they're they are really scuffling to get that run game going, and if if you can affect Ben and you can stop the run. You absolutely can. This can look like that game in in what was it, 2012, when they clinched the playoff berth. And I, I don't think they had an offensive touchdown in that game. They won 13 to 10, and they had a Leon Hall pick six. And that was that. That's how they win. And sh- that's w- when they win in Pittsburgh. That's how that those games are. They are low scoring, and the defense carries the offense. Absolutely. Um, they don't score at Heinz Field, Jay, do they? They do not. Do you have some stats about this? <laughs> I do. It's it's sad. <laughs> it really is sad. So since 2007, so 14 years, last 14 games at Heinz Field, the Bengals have not topped 20 points. Oh, my God. 10, 10, 18, 7, 7, 13, 20, 17, 16, 16, 14, 13, 3. <laughs> Those are their point totals at Heinz Field. Uh, that and there were some good in. offensive teams in there. I mean, there were the last fourteen yes. years. There's some some very good offensive teams in there. Those that eleven to fifteen was good. The nine team was good offensively. Um, that those so those 174 points in the last fourteen games that comes out to twelve point four, which is just brutal. But I was I was wondering well league-wide, where would that rank? So I looked at all teams at all stadiums um, since 2007, and it's not the worst. It's not? It's, it's close, but it is not the worst. It's the Who fifth. is worse? Um, well, and also, this is a minimum of four games played, because okay. I, you know, you have the NFC, AFC, where that you, you could lose a game 27-3, to three, and then your average is three. Um, the, the Texans are averaging 11.5 games at Baltimore. The Seahawks are averaging 11.5 at Green Bay. The Broncos are averaging 12 on the nose at Buffalo. And the Rams averaging 12.3 at Old Candlestick. These are these are by specific stadium. So Old Candlestick. <laughs> <laughs> Making an appearance. Wow. And then I mean, you have the Bengals. Wow. Well, so throwing old candlestick out um because you've got the games at levi's which i guarantee that number has gone up since the yes. rams have been playing the 49ers with mcveigh this is that this is clearly the lowest amongst division a division rivalry yeah those other yeah. those first ones i mentioned there they played four 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 the rams played seven games at candlestick the Bengals have a 14 game sample in there yeah. that's that's saying something. And, and maybe one of the more surprising things on this list was Paul Brown Stadium stands as a house of horrors for one team. Um, that They were 12th on the list. The Titans are only averaging 14.3 points per game at Paul Brown Stadium over the last four. Oh, the Titans hate coming up north. They do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's, it's incredible. And here's the thing about that list, which is – Tells you all you need to know, because the Beng- it's not that the Bengals haven't won there, but the, right. the way they've had to win is with the defense every time, and that's fine. Here's here's I got Jay. You know we're back where I'm like trying to match you here. I got stats, and these are not hard <laughs> stats. My stats are easier because I'm not I'm not going to go deep in the spreadsheet and and filter search world um, at the, too much. But 
You know how many times the Bengals have won the first matchup? Throw Hines out. Just the first matchup of the two during the season against the Steelers, going back to you know, really Marv era, but 2000. They have won the first matchup against the Steelers five times, going back to 2000, which is not good. But we we all knew that. I mean, they just broke their long streak on, on Monday Night Football at the end of last year. So those five times, common thread between all of them, four division championships, and then the <laughs> 2006 year where you could argue they should have been if it wasn't for an insane meltdown at the end of the season, partially at the hand of the Steelers at the end. But all playoffs, um, except for 06, where, again, they should have been in the playoffs. I mean, all winning seasons. This is all such a barometer game every single year. If you're ever going to be good, if it's such a springboard. Has always been that way as the sign that the Bengals have a good team. Now, partially is because the Steelers have always had a good team, particularly early in the season before injuries maybe have set in for them. And that's fine, but this is always a barometer. It's always going to be that. And when they have beaten them, they've won division championships. Like that's the level that they've had to be at. Uh, that's why it's hard for me to see them winning this one necessarily because I, that's not who the Bengals have this year. But the Steelers are different. It is what it can mean. Um, I don't care what anybody says about one week, one week division game, whatever. It means more. It means more for this team in particular, this time of year, what it has meant historically, organizationally. It's just such a massive game in, in that respect. It is. And the fact that it would be on the road, I, I think it makes it even more important that you you can start the season 2-1. and one, You're 1-0 in the division. You won at Pittsburgh where you you typically don't win. It's I mean, this is... I would be interesting to look and see. Everybody always talks about two and zero starts, sixty four percent chance you make the playoff. Like one and one feels like that. Really, it's almost like in a in an NBA playoff series. Like game three is the key when it's one one. Game three is that key because you go two and one, and all of a sudden you can really kind of take off. You go one and two, and things can go south in a hurry. Um, so it is it, from all those, for just from structurally the way the schedule is to the fact that it's the Steelers. Um, huge game Sunday that's if and maybe not a total spiral out of control if they lose but if they win it, it can really be a propulsion with the Jags coming up the Lions I mean they could this I talked about this with Joe Daneman on on our the pregame hits we did before the game in Chicago where if they go to Pittsburgh and win it doesn't matter what they did in Chicago it'll be forgotten and that's that's going to be the case a lot of times. You you beat the Steelers and it wipes out a lot of other things. Look how thrilled people were last year and they beat them on Monday Night Football and you forget about how bad things were before that game. Absolutely. And you wonder, you know, how much that will be a part of this game on Sunday. How much Von Bell and the defense again, it's going to be a defense game is are they going to build on that? Are are they is they going to is there are they going to go in there with what the Bengals rarely seem to go in there with that confidence that they're going to win because they so rarely have because of what happened on Monday Night Football, because of the attitude they have, because they have Mike Hilton partially, you know, and that's what Hilton said when was 
asked about you know what you have to have to go win in Pittsburgh. You have to have that confidence that you can go. You go. If you don't have that, you're not. You're just not. If you have that any doubt, uh, you're not. And Bengals teams that we're talking about that have won division championships and won that first game, a five, a nine, thirteen, fifteen. They had that no doubt. You know that they're gonna go in there and win. In some years, I'm not saying that they didn't have that, but certainly in recent history, they have not had any real – there's no way that you could go in as they went. I'll just do it just for effect. L L L W L L L L L L L L L L L Against the Steelers. There's no way that you could say they're going in there like, I'll definitely get in the W today. You know, but I do think because of what happened at the end of last year and because of the way the defense is playing, that they do feel confidence going in here. And that is really important in this rivalry without without any question. Another piece, too. I, it's a different year, but one of Burrow's strengths, and you wrote about this last year, about how he learns things and processes them and keeps them in his the back of his mind for later. And you saw how his his second game against Cleveland throws for three touchdowns, four hundred six yards. This is really only the second time he's had a, a rematch game. He didn't get to play that second game against the Steelers. He didn't get to play the second game against the Ravens last year. And again, it is a different team, but but it's so early in the year. That game was the 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 game last year was around mid-season right before he got hurt it, it it feels like he is a key element to this too and you just look at his his career in college you know the 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 first year at LSU good not great then he comes back processes everything he's learned and they he goes on and has this record-breaking year um, I, I think that is a, a a key piece of this is him getting that re, rematch that second shot at the Steelers who have been a little bit different, you know, not as blitz happy as, as they were last year to this point, but they, and that doesn't mean that wouldn't come out and change uh, and go back to what they felt like they were able to do to Burrow last year because you still got a lot, most of the same pieces there. So we'll see how that works. But ideally for them, they don't feel like they need to blitz because they can just beat the Bengals up front and get in Burrow's face in the same way that the Bears and so many, and, and the Vikings did too. Um, and, and that being the key for them is drop guys back in coverage, let your four get home and, and you know, wash your hands off and call it a day. All right, let's just take a quick break. Let's get a better look, though, at Pittsburgh because we really dive into this. Um, and Jay, you did by talking to everybody's favorite friend, uh, <laughs> of whip around, whip around, whipping boy, uh, <laughs> and uh, our our guy in Pittsburgh though, who does a fantastic job, and it, people only don't like it because he's got the truth, um, and he's not afraid to kind of say how he feels uh, about the Bengals, which has proven correct mostly in the last five years. Uh, here's your interview with uh, Mark Caboli. Mark, how are things in Pittsburgh today? Oh, quite warm and uh, quite sunny. But uh, other than that, uh, same, much of the same old stuff. I'm just really, really happy to be on here to be able to talk to some of my Bengals fans. So I know they really like me. Yes, they love you. <laughs> They're eagerly awaiting your your um, what do you want to say? Beat down of the Bengals. <laughs> I, I put it this way. I, I did the whip whip around this coming out Friday and they're probably going to yell at me. So I'm just not going to look at the comments. 
Yeah, when I predicted the Steelers to go 6-11, and 11, I, I avoided the comments there. I almost wonder if I should check in under an assumed name when I come to Pittsburgh this weekend. <laughs> I think you're okay. I think or, you're okay for now. Or I was going to say, are they agreeing with me now? It seems like a little bit of a sky is falling situation in yeah, Pittsburgh. You know, they were winning the Super Bowl last week after they beat Buffalo, and now they're not going to win another game. Ben should be benched and he should have retired and Tomlin needs to go and Najee Harris was a terrible pick and so on and so forth the sky is falling I mean put it this way uh, they played two pretty good teams maybe the best team in the AFC second best team in the AFC and the Bills and one and a team that looks like the Raiders are pretty decent too and it was a one possession game late even though they struggled in that game offensively so you can look at it that way uh, people in Pittsburgh tend not to. They tend to look at the negative. But they beat, I mean, for the Steelers fans, it's a no-win situation. They should beat the Bengals. They should whip the Bengals at home and just look to next week to Green Bay. Of course, that's not how things work, but that's how the mentality is. So if they win 14-10, to 10, that's not going to be good enough here. It's going to be that. We still stake. Well, is that the case even? I mean, it. There are a lot of key players hurt. I, I, I will, we'll, we'll get to Ben and and TJ Watt at a little bit later. But you know that that long list of injuries that they have. Who, who besides the big two do you see as potentially being the the most important or the most impactful Sunday against the Bengals? Well, did Deontay Johnson did not practice Wednesday at all, which is was expected. And you know how he tweaked that knee late in the game. I don't know. I find it hard to believe that he's going to play this this week, and he is their best receiver. He's one of the league leaders in receptions, and he, he's able to do a little bit of everything. So I think that's – you can I wouldn't say bank it, but that's a significant loss for them, even though they have James Washington who's been around and could still play. I mean, Washington doesn't have the same – personality the same traits as Deontay can do a little bit of everything that's going to hurt a little bit uh looks like Devin Bush might be back he is full participant in uh, practice on Wednesday Joe Hayden has yet to practice which is normal for a Wednesday for him but not normal for coming off a groin injury he suffered at Friday's practice I think that's a big one because all of a sudden your secondary is very very thin and when you have three wideouts like the Bengals have, that can become an issue right there as well. All of a sudden, you're going with Cam Sutton, James Pierre, and Trey Norwood, and Justin Lane, and you probably your listeners are probably saying who. That's basically <laughs> what it is. So those two, I'm a little skeptical on, but Hayden and Johnson will be big losses if they don't play. And then T.J. Watt, of course. I mean, everybody says next man up. That doesn't really apply with a, a player of his caliber. But when he went down, did they did they do anything different? Was was the scheme a little more basic, a little less aggressive, or did yeah, th- you know what they had to do something different? He was limited in practice uh, on Wednesday, and when I mean by limited, I probably did as much as him. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm not allowed to say that, so nobody repeat that. Um, so who knows how it's going to play out here in the next couple of days. But, yeah, I mean, when you have that guy, a guy like T.J. Watt's ability to put pressure on a guy, a quarterback, and you saw what he did in Buffalo. You saw what he did the last three years. All of a sudden, you know, there was a three-headed monster they were so proud of during all preseason in that first game with Melvin Ingram, Watt, 
and Alex Highsmith was a rookie last year, being able to rotate those guys in. And all of a sudden you go down to two and Highsmith hurts his groin too. Then all of a sudden you're putting a guy like Jameer Jones in there. And he was a first year guy that, you know, didn't even make it two days in the, like the Houston camp last year. So, but he had a good preseason. So all of a sudden that, that tends to, uh, complicate things of what you want to do. Then you have Devin Bush out. That complicates things even more. Uh, all of a sudden, Minka Fitzpatrick has to play a position where they like where he's at, more of a box safety, more of a freelancer, maybe not as much as Paul Amalu, but back in the day, but something like that. He's overextending himself. He allows 61-yard touchdowns. So it was just the biggest issue with Watt was I think that they weren't able to get the f- pressure with four people, which they did against the Buffalo so easily. And you're not able to do that when you don't have TJ Watt in there. So I think that's the, the big key right now. If Highsmith's able to go fully, okay, but you're still going to have to rely on a third guy. And he's probably going to be a young guy that named Jameer Jones if Watt can't go. And, you know, he has like five snaps in his career. Well, I mean, this this O-line for the Bengals is having trouble protecting Joe Burrow, so uh, this could be his breakout game. Oh, trust me. The Steelers fans do not want to hear about your offensive line woes because they got plenty of theirs. <laughs> <laughs> well, with Ben, I, obviously it's a pack. Um, it's his left pack, so I don't know there's that much of a that much of a issue there. And plus, he tends to show up on injury reports a lot and still play. I'm, I'm More than the wound, I'm, I'm curious about his words. He came out after the game and – just every answer to every question was, I got to play better. I got to play better. Was, was he, was he biting his tongue? So he didn't criticize anybody. Did he truly believe he needs to play better or was it just something in between there? Well, first of all, he, he talked, first of all, he will play. It's, yeah. it's it said that he, he's just going to have to deal with some pain. Honestly. Well, what happened was he got clobbered 10 times mm. against the Raiders and it was just a contusion, but it's probably pretty sore. So that's he'll, he'll still play. But, uh, you know, he followed that up on Wednesday here with a lot of the same, maybe not as dramatic of it was my fault. I have to get better. It was a little bit more of we need to get better in there. I don't think there's any issue there. I think the biggest issue is they don't know what they want to do on offense yet. They don't know what works yet. you got so many things with new offensive coordinator Matt Canada. He, he has to protect so many different aspects of the offense. I think it's really hindering when I talk about that is – I mean, he doesn't want to pass pro, traditional pass pro a lot because he's going to expose the tackles in the young offensive line and the struggling offensive line. Uh, he doesn't want to, you know, do certain types of stuff to where Roethlisberger has to move out of the pocket, which typically is a Matt Canada offense with pre-snap motion, motions, jet sweeps, stuff like that, trying to help those guys out a little bit, trying to get a new tight end acclimated to the system all while wanting to run the ball. They want to run the ball. They want to run the ball. They ran the ball like 15 times last week. They're 32nd in the league again in rushing. They're like 31st in attempts. So you put all those things together. And I don't think they really found a groove of how this offense best works. So I think Roethlisberger is getting a little bit frustrated because he's probably thinking, you know, just give me the ball and I'll throw it around the field like I did last year. You know, we can win some games, and they're like, no, 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 let's hold off on that right now. Let's stick to the plan. So I don't think there's any fighting, but there's a little frustration. 
I mean, the rookie first round pick, twenty six carries, eighty three yards for yeah. Harris. Uh, is is he kind of finding his footing still in the at this level? Is it the O line's fault? Um, little of both it's there. The, it's the O line's fault. Yeah, <laughs> it always it's is. It's definitely the O line's <laughs> fault. They don't block many people whatsoever. The issue with the offensive line is they're just so inexperienced. Four new guys from last year. The fifth guy, right tackle, was their worst offensive lineman last year and wouldn't be playing if the guy they signed a $10 million contract, Zach Benner, didn't tear his knee up last September. and He's not ready yet, so he would be in there. Or they would basically have five different guys in there this year, which – you know, be honest with you, what, one, two, three, four of them barely played in the NFL. Mm-hmm. The only one who's played was Trey Turner, and they didn't have much offseason together as well because they all were banged up or something help, help there. So they're struggling. They're, they don't know what to do right now with that offense. I mean, Najee is getting acclimated to the NFL speed, and that's – you can see, you know, he, he has to learn how not to make – the four-yard gain and try to make it a 20-yard game because in the NFL, that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. That re- that usually results in a two-yard loss because the guys are so fast. So I think he's getting used to that. You can see the talent with him, tons of talent, but he just doesn't have anywhere to go. And by the time, they, I mean, they were down in the second half the past two games and basically abandoned the run. And what else are you going to do? It's not working. So I think the line plays better. Well, they can't play worse, I don't think. And <laughs> I never think he never. has a chance. There's a chance they're going to try to get him going this week and try to feature him a little bit more and not try to get away from the run. So I would anticipate that if, if I'm the Bengals, at least early in that game, uh, game of heavy doses of, of Najee. You know, I went back and looked, and since the turn of the century – the Bengals only have two two-game winning streaks against the Steelers, which may not surprise a lot of people that have watched Bengals-Steelers games over over the last two decades. But, you know, if they could get one Sunday, that would be a third because they're, they're coming off that Monday night win in week 14 or 15 last year. Uh, Bengals fans and even people in the Bengals organization kind of saw that as a, a statement game, kind of a, a tide-is-turning type of thing. I'm, I'm wondering how people in Pittsburgh viewed that. Is it, it Was it kind of putting them on notice that the Bengals are – are coming up, or was it just a blip in the middle of a, a late season collapse? First, I could ask you: Was '89 one of those seasons they won two in a row? Because I know they beat them like 42 to 10 week two. I don't remember what happened after that. Is, is it '89? Well, I, yeah, I, I only went. I think it only goes back to 2000. Um, uh, that it was. I think yeah. '89 might have been it. But okay, I talk about the Bengals. <laughs> now, I think you know after that game, I thought. The whole thought was Ben Roethlisberger's done. He needs to retire, get him out of there. I can't believe we lost to the Bengals on Monday Night Football. How embarrassing is that? I don't think much thought at the time was that, uh-oh, the Bengals are something, a team to reckon with. Now, over the offseason, I think a lot of people saw what they did in the draft, some what they did in free agency, and say, you know what? The Bengal team might be pretty decent in a couple years here. Because they got the quarterback, they got the receivers, and it uh, seems like it got a lot of things in place. But at the time, they were like, forget about it. They were more worried about how in the world did we potentially going to miss the playoffs after starting 11-0, and and we have to go and now beat the Indianapolis Colts the next week just to get in as a wild-card team. So that's what they were more concerned about. But I think there is a little bit more respect 
for the Bengals now than there was obviously in years past because they saw I think mostly it has to do with the quarterback. I think a lot of people really, really believe that Burrow is the legit real deal, and that scares people. So I still don't think a lot of people think that that time is now, but at least in Pittsburgh, but I think they believe that time could be coming. Yeah, I mean, it was Ryan Finley, that, of all people, that led that win. So yeah. th- that is definitely a jump to Joe Burrow. Um, I want to ask you one last one here. Um, you know, we spend all of the summer training camp writing about, talking about what this what the team you cover is going to look like, what it's going to do, and then you come out and there's always surprises the first couple weeks. I'm, I'm wondering whether it be positive or a negative surprise. Is there something that's kind of caught you off guard with what the Steelers have, have done or not been able to do in the first two weeks? Well, you know, I don't think anybody thought the offensive line would be this bad. We knew that they were going to be an issue, but this bad? No. I don't think that's one case right there. And a lot of people believe that Najee Harris would be able to uh, make up for some of those shortcomings on the offensive line and through the first two weeks. We haven't really seen that whatsoever. Surprisingly, on the other side, and even though it's not a national narrative at all, it's still the, the opposite. Roethlisberger's arm is 100%, man. I mean, you don't throw the ball eight you know, eight times down the field like he did against the Raiders. Two of them were 50 yards on the line on the button. A couple other ones hit guys, and they dropped it. So I think the 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 how his arm has rebounded after a year of struggling where it wasn't that good, I think that's a little bit of a surprise. On the other side, uh, I think to it, Stefan to it, a great defensive lineman, 10, 11 sacks last year. His, uh, in a, he, he had, I guess he had surgery. I don't know. It, it's a, it's a really sad story with his brother getting hit by a car and getting killed right before oh. training camp. So it was a really sad story. Then he was had a late start and hurt his knee and he's been put on IR. He's a big loss. Right there, but you know, Minka Fitzpatrick hasn't been playing extremely well in those first two games. Uh, they've been asking him to do a lot more than playing deep safety, which he normally does. And uh, you know, he's a guy who's two-time All-Pro, couple-time Pro Bowler as well. But uh, that's a couple surprises there right now. Um, other than maybe Chase Claypool learn, needs to learn how to catch the ball a little bit better. But the, I think we were expecting that too a little bit by what we saw in training camp so wow a guy named chase can't catch the ball and an offensive line can't block <laughs> it's like are we talking about the Steelers or are we talking about the Bengals there's some weird parallels going on well hey I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us um look forward to seeing you in the press box on Sunday and um we'll, we'll see how this one shakes out somebody's gonna be very unhappy to be one and two yeah let's hope it's the Steelers right <laughs> you said it's, that. it's always better it's always better for business right you're right it's better for business if we lose. If we lose, as in the team we cover, like I, you know, people a lot of times think that we care who wins or loses. Nah, if it affects my job, is what I care, and you know, a loss would be much more entertaining to me. But uh, I'm hoping no Pittsburgh people hear this, but that's how I feel. <laughs> well, I, I can tell you from firsthand experience that uh, a lot of losing doesn't necessarily mean good for business. <laughs> fans have a fans <laughs> yeah, have a tendency to check years out. Though. Yeah, right. I know. You're 25 years. <laughs> hey, at least you guys have went to the Super Bowl once or twice over the past 40 years. Imagine being the Browns. Oh, no, I just like 
No, I'm just getting going to comments about from Browns fans. Oh now. yeah, <laughs> you, you're just going to piss off everybody. <laughs> well, hey, thanks again for joining us, Mark. Really good talking to you, and look forward to seeing you Sunday. All right, Jay, take it easy, my man. Boo, <laughs> boo. Just I know, doing that for for people that are just doing that in their car or uh, on the on the treadmills. They're listening to this right now. Um, I, I, I like Mark a lot, so I don't, I don't yeah. actually want to boo him, but, um, I know Bengals fans do. He doesn't read the comments. He, a lot of people say they don't, he truly doesn't. He, he mentioned that. So you can come at him all you want in the comments of the whip around. He's not going to see it. I have this visual of like, of Mark, like sitting in an airport with like big, the big head noise canceling headphones on and like just five people just booing him. And he doesn't, he's just sitting there with a smile on his face, not even just totally oblivious to people like getting that. It's like, that's kind of how he just feels like he's going through it. Like just, just listening to my thing, doing my thing. Uh, anything, any takeaway that stood out to you in that conversation that maybe you were, you were surprised by? Um, I guess not really surprised, but he, he really, he doesn't, think we're going to see tj watt now it's early in the week but he he said he did hardly anything wednesday the groins are kind of like hamstrings where they're hard to predict and i i just it, it would as tyler boyd said they would be very lucky not to not to catch him but it was you you knew the o-line was going to be an issue this year but is it, it i mean mark is is really down on them that that they have been bad and it's four newcomers. And then the, the fifth guy, as he said, is their worst guy from last year. Um, so a, a, a parallel there where it struggles with the offensive line and another reason to think that this is going to be a, a defensive low scoring game. I mean, look at it. We, everybody was all thinking, well, maybe we had the Steelers wrong after they beat the bills in Buffalo, mm-hmm. but how did they, you got, how did they win that game? Defense and special teams. Their offense didn't do anything in that game of real note. They still can't run the ball. And then what happened against the Raiders? Their offense couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that that has been consistent. They still have done nothing offensively through two games. And now you have a Bengals defense that's feeling great coming in and has done a good job of holding down teams um, with maybe their best example of that against Chicago. Now, granted, it was against Justin Fields in his debut and – he made mistakes. This is Ben Roethlisberger in year 89, and he's not going to make as many mistakes, and he's going to see things that Fields didn't see. But, you know, you can tell anybody with eyes can see the difference in this Bengals defense this year. And I think it's real to think that they can hold them down to 14 or 16 or whatever or less. I, I, I think that's real. When you look at who Pittsburgh has been, the line troubles that they're having, it's the same way they can take advantage uh, that they took advantage of Minnesota and of Chicago. And you have Evan McPherson, the mm. the ultimate weapon in a close game, and that is a that is a house of horrors, not for Bengals kickers, for all kickers. That's a a tough place to kick. But everything we've seen from Evan McPherson, that's that's not going to bother him. Um, so if if it does play out that way, now it's not like. Pittsburgh doesn't have a kicker. Chris Boswell has been, I think he's only missed one kick in his career against the Bengals all these years. And he kicked a 56 yarder last year, last week, the longest field goal ever kicked at Heinz. But yeah, there's the, the Bengals special teams hasn't been great this year outside of Evan McPherson, but Darius Phillips is second in the league in punt return average. And we know what Brandon Wilson is. He's had trouble getting going, but defense special teams, 
you you feel like they that can carry the team this week. And then if you if you just get that little bit of stair step ascension with Joe Burrow getting more and more comfortable on the knee, I I absolutely think they can win this game. I don't know if I'm going to pick them yet. We're about to do that in a little bit. Oh, you're still on the fence. You're that I, on the fence. I, I am. I am. Wow. Okay. Um, can the Bengals not like fumble a kickoff in the first quarter or or <laughs> drop a punt? It happens every time. It's yeah. like every time one of these games that you think they have a chance in, they end up losing thirty six to seven or something like that. It's always wow. It was that special teams turnover or something. Mm-hmm. It's like we hear that. You just go back to it over and over. That you know they have a punt return for a touchdown, and Kevin Huber doesn't like remember that. You know, <laughs> or something like that happens. Yet when the Bengals have had some wins up there in big games, oh nine, right? Bernard Scott uh, with a long kick. I mean, it's always so much a part of these games when these two teams are constituted like this. They're so they're much more similar than anybody in Pittsburgh wants to think. They really are. They really are. And we'll see how different that is. I mean, the aura of the Steelers and all that, how much that still exists. But I, you can you can win the game the same way that the Steelers typically have those games up there. Uh, run past your boot. I got to run past your boot, Jay. Okay. So if you're, if you're at home, you want to get some good friendly wagers going for Sunday's game, here's a, here's a run past your boot number. What, what will be the higher number on Sunday? Steelers sacks. Total personal foul penalties. So your tauntings, your unnecessary roughness, you're roughing the passers. And or mix in runs of eight or more. So will the Bengals be able to get the running game going a little bit? Uh, Joe with only one run of eight or more uh, last week. and Or with Steelers just punish Burrow with a bunch of sacks, or will this just be one of those games where the teams hate each other and there's a lot too much talk and too many dumb penalties and those rack up? I think this is a good one. I'm proud of this one. I feel like it, I feel like any three could be make a good argument for. Well, actually, I'm going to boot the personal foul penalties. I just it, it seems the the history of this rivalry just kind of lingers from the the mid last decade, the the Von Tez perfect era in the 2014, 15, 16. It seems to have settled down in that regard, and with the the taunting penalties being a point of emphasis this year, I think everyone's going to be on their p's and q's. There, it's going to be it's going to be hard to trash talk in this game, and a lot of that sometimes leads to frustration and penal those kind of penalties. So, I'm going to boot that one right off the jump. This other one is really tough because the Bengals have showed a commitment to stick into the run, and we've talked for the last 45 minutes or whatever been a whatever it's been that this is going to be a low scoring grinded out game that's a perfect kind of game for Mixon um I I think I'm going to run with Mixon eight plus yards carries and then I'll pass on the Steeler sacks I think they're going to get to them I don't think it's going to be like we've seen some of these past games up in the seven eight range um so I, I'm going to go that I'm, I'm going to I'm going to run with the Mixon eight plus pass on the Steeler sacks and just boot the personal fouls. I don't think we're going to see a lot of those. Running with sacks, All right. five. Passing on personal fouls, four. Ooh, booting mix and runs, three. I think I think Pittsburgh's going to bottle Joe up. Uh, uh, not a lot, I but enough where they don't let him get out. 
too much. You know, I mean, three eight plus runs. They'll take. I think the Bengals would probably take that, especially if one of them's like thirty. Uh, you know, you can get up to near a hundred pretty quickly doing stuff like that. Um, but I think they're going to bottle them up okay. So that's that's my that's my thing. But I, it's 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 hard to tell. They just the Bengals line has not really. I mean, they they. At the end against Minnesota, they were able to get it going. They were able to get it going, and that was nice. I mean, that was not – he ran for a lot of yards. But I, I, in Pittsburgh, it feels like a different animal. I don't know if they're going to be able to get him loose, but we, we shall see. I mean, if – this might decide the game. Yeah. That conversation about Mixon and the sacks, I mean, that's if, – if Mixon is higher than sacks, do the Bengals win? I think so. Good chance of it. I mean, it, that means if they they really they either kept Joe clean or got mixing going, mm-hmm. one of the two. If one of those two happens, yeah, I you know you like their chances, but it's a, a, a an influential, important run passer boot, not just the fluffy garbage we normally do. We're getting hard <laughs> hitting here. This isn't just your normal fluff garbage. Uh, all right, Bengals growler bet. Here we go. It's time. So no winners, no winners yet. Uh, after look, after seeing everybody show up and take that delicious Fifty West beer off the shelves on us uh, at the opening event down there, which by the way, Home Sweet Home is out. Like it's so good. If you like fall beers, if you're into there, I I stand by Home Sweet Home, and I'm not just saying that because I love everything they do. It I think it's legit, like the best fall beer. Fall weather showed up. Go get you some home sweet home. But after giving all the way, we're not going to let it be easy. We're just not. Just, those days are over, okay? Giving away stuff to every Tom, Dick, and Harry, okay? We're here to try to make it harder. I think, I think, this, is, I think this is harder. It, it probably is. should be harder. It probably should be harder. It doesn't have a decimal point, unfortunately. I like, I like ones with decimal points. Uh, that said... You got to send your answer to me, pdaner at theathletic.com by email with growler in the subject header. Make sure the word growler is in the subject header. Or just send it on Twitter with a hashtag Bengals growler bet. Hashtag Bengals growler bet with your answer. Do it before 1 o'clock on Sunday and you'll be entered. If you hit it on the nose, you win some delicious 50 West beer on us. All right. Ben Roethlisberger passing yards. That's it. Ben Roethlisberger passing yards. Are we going to get, oh, my pack hurts and I couldn't throw it. They're very good. Or are we going to get, oh, my pack hurts. Whoosh. 390. Right? Like, that's what Bengals fans are, are mentally prepared for that. Bengals fans are mentally prepared for, like, Ben Roethlisberger complains about injury. Ben Roethlisberger throws for 390 yards. I, I think that's the case, but it could be, heck, he could go out. He could be like, I tried, I got hit once, it didn't feel right. Haskins, this is not Pittsburgh passing yards. This is Ben Roethlisberger passing yards is your Bengals growler bet for this week. What are you saying, Jay? Yeah, I'm. I, the number I'm picking is more affected by the Bengals defense than whatever Ben's dealing with was his, with his pack, but I'm going to go deuces wild. 222. 222. Yes. I, I had 242 written down. Oh. Yeah. 242. Two, I, I don't think 
the Steelers are going to be able to run it very well. I no. do think it's going to come down to Ben's arm. And so I think you're going to see him throw it a decent amount. Um, so I, I think 242, you know, up uh, and, that, and that's probably low considering how much he'll probably throw it, but I think they'll bottle him up okay. Um, so I, I think oh, – did we make it too easy, Jay? Well, it I, it might be easy – in terms of volume, if we get a lot of submissions, someone's probably going to hit it. But, uh, but for but for the individual person, I mean, you're basically picking a number between 150 and 350. That's 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 hard. That's a that's a half a percent chance of getting it right. Oh man, I don't like it. Feels too feels risky. Feels risky. <laughs> All right, let's go prediction time, and we'll get out of here. Um, Jay's on the fence. So I, I don't want to sway you, although you probably know my pick. I think I've showed my hand. Uh, I don't want to sway you. Um, so I'll let you go ahead and make your decision first. Yeah, see, we, we do these things at The Athletic where we, we pick all the games on, I think it's Monday, or it has to be in by Tuesday morning, and, and I picked Pittsburgh. We don't pick score or anything like that. You just pick winners. So I'm on record already as saying Steelers. So that's that's one of the reasons it's like, I'm kind of convincing myself that, that the Bengals can and will win this game, but do I want to be that person that fills out 100 March Madness brackets? I mean, you, you can't just cover all your bases. So I'm going to stick with my Steelers pick. I'm going to say 16-14 Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm, I have the Steelers as well. And if I could have picked them to win 17-12.4, to I would have. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'll say 17-13 um, Steelers over the Bengals with the Bengals defense coming out feeling like they did good things and more frustration over not being able to keep Burrow clean. Honestly, and I hate to say this, if Burrow comes out of this thing healthy, like I think it's a win. <laughs> yeah. Well, funny it's, you say that because the, the, the Bengals record for most sacks allowed – through the first three games of a season is in play. That record is 16 and they're sitting on nine. Now it's that would not be a bad out day. of the realm of possibility. The Steelers could get seven sacks. It is not the, uh, the second highest number on that list is 14, which was set in 2020. I, I just would like to say Cam Hayward is going to wreck everything. I mean, this dude, I, I when you go back, um, Back in the off season, I did the interview catching up with Clint Bowling after he um, retired. Him and Kelly uh, just talking about life after football and things. The name he always says when he's like, "I'm just happy I'm not out there having to block Cam Hayward." And they said they were watching that Monday Night Football. It was the first the first Bengals game they were really able to watch. Bengals on Monday Night Football, I believe that was the Dalton Death game. Uh, and they just sat there and said. Oh God, Cam Hayward. Never again do I have to do that. Thank God. He is just he just keeps doing it. And there's just nobody like him. And I I mean there's people like him, but for the Bengals and for what he's been against them and how tough he is, uh, it's just he just does it. And he hits him at a spot of weakness. And they got other guys. It's just it just feels like keep Burrow healthy. Get some positives out of this, and winning is possible. Certainly is possible, but I, I don't. I don't think they've got enough to do it just yet. 
All right, Jay. Uh, that'll wrap us up. Again, we'll have the walkout, of course, uh, from Pittsburgh. Um, Jay, hopefully, will have fully recovered from going to OU to visit his son. I'm sure you will. Yes. Easy. Don't go to don't go to any frat parties. Okay. He he's in a frat, but they got suspended. <laughs> and i'm sure they've just shut down all social activity uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> again uh jay good luck recovering don't uh don't do anything that you would have done when you were in college please uh and uh so we'll have that from pittsburgh i think we're gonna have a uh a drive out walkout from pittsburgh yes we're, is, we're coming home he, together so we can just do it right in the car in the car on the on the, the drive home after the game and now i hope uh back in the day that used to be live from the toyota sienna studios but i don't think we're going to be in the toyota sienna minivan this week no it's on its last leg so i'm renting a car no that's fair that's a fair i should thing. rent a sienna though if you can do it i mean i mean <laughs> drive what you're comfortable with right right when you have a choice you always pick minivan well, uh, yeah, but now that my kids are grown, I can't wait for that Sienna to die. I'm, we're, we're in the process of buying a new car right now. It's just not a good time to buy. So um, I, I think I've driven my last Sienna. Yep. So if you see Jay driving his Toyota Sienna, go ahead and wreck into him. He'd be appreciative. <laughs> <laughs> yes, by all means. By all means. Uh, assuming you have insurance, please. Uh, all right. Thanks, everybody, for uh, listening. Enjoy the game on Sunday. And we will talk to you after it, breaking it all down from whatever car we end up getting heading out back to Cincinnati. So have a good one, everybody. We'll talk to you next time.